Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Christy Craig. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Well, I'm excited to hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> I hope it shows up. No. Actually, I asked Phil to come up because I think kingdom economy is really important. Um, I have <clears throat> so many dear Christian friends that have no idea what to do with money. They think it's evil. Um, just all the different thoughts that people have about finances, it's very strange. And, and uh, is tithing Old Testament? Is tithing New Testament? Is it New Covenant? Should I do it? Should I not? Uh, <clears throat> I shouldn't give to that person because they're irresponsible. Um, just all the things that are so bizarre of what we think and, and, and what we do um, with with finances. So uh, he's going to be doing two weeks on that, and I just really want to encourage you. And and just speaking about <clears throat> Sunday sessions, I just want to honor Kelly Alada. I think you're a, where are you, Kelly? There you are. Stand up, Kelly. There you go. She, she's been doing three weeks of uh, sessions back there. And, and uh, boy, I tell you, uh, she has been wonderful, and I'm, I, I have her notes. I, I, I have to always leave at 9.30. I leave halfway through because I have to be in this meeting back here. And so I, I never get the second half, so I have all these blanks on my papers that I need to get from you. So great job. You're a wonderful, wonderful teacher. All right. Um, I'll just tell you I'm a little nervous today. Um, I've got my... 60th kindergarten reunion coming up, and uh, um, I've, I've gained 175 pounds, and I'm feeling, I don't know how I'm going to tell them that, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know, I thought that was good. <laughs> you ever been nervous for a reunion? Do you ever not go to a reunion because you're not as felt as you were? I know people that won't invite us to their house. They tell us this because my wife is a gourmet cook. So they will never have us. And they say, we'll never have you. Your wife is a really good cook. And she's like, yes, but I don't want to cook every time. You know, <laughs> invite me. Um, <laughs> the things we do for love. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to talk today about uh, life on the Hill and community. And I'm, I'm going to come at it from a very, very different uh, angle. Um, is probably normal, but... Um, <clears throat> and I am, uh, like, like Caleb, he's been here longer than I have. I, I'm, I'm new. I'm, I'm still learning. And, and poor Dan, whoever Dan is, uh, he thinks I forgot his name every time. And, it just took me a second. Where are you, Dan? Are you? There you are. <laughs> Poor Dan. After about two, after the second, by the third time I met him, I knew his name was Dan, but I didn't get it out in time. He goes, I'm Dan. <laughs> and so for the last six months, he, he introduces me to himself every Sunday as Dan. And, and I've got it down now, Dan. So we'll, we'll all get there. Um, community is weird, isn't it? Because people are weird. Have you ever noticed that? Like, you know, you look over at somebody and you go, they're, they're a doofus. 
And they're looking at you going, they're a doofus. You've got something weird about you. I don't know what it is yet, but if I get to know you, I will find it out. That's just how life is. So how do you, how do you have a community with just a bunch of doofuses all together? Um, because we're the image of Christ. You know, there's a wonderful scripture that Paul says, and we interpret it as the faith in the Son of God. But the actual uh, <clears throat> preposition there is the faith of the Son of God. So you don't, it, it's not, you don't have just faith in him, right. you have his faith in you. Yeah. So we're a bunch of weak, broken people who have been restored, and we just don't know it fully yet. Uh, and so we're on this journey together, and... And uh, I want to tell 10 ways, if you're here and, you know, you're like, I don't know if I want to do this community thing. I tried it before and I got hurt. Um, when have you ever not gotten hurt? Hurt can't lead you. Hurt destroys you. If you are led by hurt, you're going backwards. You're digging your own grave. You're drinking the poison. You're taking the arsenic. <clears throat> you have got to plow through hurt. Now, that doesn't mean that we give up boundaries. Boundaries are very important. But I make, I make sure that I don't make radical decisions of whether I'm here, whether I'm relating, whether I'm leaving, based on hurt. It's got to be based on relationship with Jesus. It's got to be based on wisdom. It's got to be based on what does my wife say. Um, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Men, can I hear an amen to that one? Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I have here, I'm going to go through this really fast because I've got uh, something else attached to it. But this, this first part, I want to go through really fast. It's 10 ways to avoid building community. You ready? Yep. Number one, keep all your conversations short. You're busy. You got a lot to deal with in your life. You talk to somebody, you might get close to them. Plus, that takes time and energy. Just keep it short and sweet. Don't bother talking about anything besides the weather or wasn't that a good word as you walk away. Number two, always sit in your assigned seat. <laughs> By sitting in your assigned seat, you only have to get to know a few people around you. These folks know the deal, and they're probably sticking to the same 30-second conversations as well. <clears throat> Number three, avoid new people. It's one thing to deal with the people that are around you. It's another to actually meet someone new. Seriously? Like me, you're not good with names. Plus, you don't have the time or the energy to walk past them with a smile and nod they'll be blessed that you nodded at them. How many have been blessed of someone's nod? Yes, exactly. I helped a guy for two years, a kid going through a really tough time at home in life with, with substance abuse, and we got him on the other side, and he's doing well. And he was, then suddenly he was gone for about a year, and he came back to the church. I was in, in Nashville at the time. He came back to the church, and... Uh, I was sitting in the front row, I was one of the pastors, and, and at the end of the service, he walks by and he looks at me, and he goes, hey, and we're five feet away, and I go, oh, he goes, no, no, call you, love you, and then walked away. It's like, 
what happened to two years of dying <laughs> with you and helping you go through the process? And it was, I'll call you, love you. That was the extent of, of what he had. And, and so I, I saw him again, and he kept in this mode. And what he was doing was because of what he had gone through. He had gone through something, then he went away, and everyone thought he was doing but he wasn't doing well. And he was in shame. And so what, what shame does, it keeps you away, and you look good. And so <clears throat> avoid new people because if someone sees that part of me, then the shame is real and I'm living in it. So we don't want to go there. Number four, this is one of my favorite ones. Come in late. <laughs> don't overlook the beauty in that one. By coming in late, you avoid even 30-second conversations. Plus, you avoid new people. It just makes life easier. Number five, this was kind of four and five are together. Number four is coming late. Number five is leave immediately after the service or just as they're praying. If you leave when they're praying, their eyes are closed. They don't even see you go. Are, am I living in the same world you live in? Is this? Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> it's crowded anyway. You don't want to deal with crowds. And, and, and you know, it's COVID. I don't, I don't want to have to have a relationship. Um, I'm going to wait until there's no more sickness on the earth. <clears throat> Number six. <laughs> Can I just say something? Is, is Julie here? Where's Julie? Julie Hammond. Is she outside? I love, I love that Julie wears a mask. I love the fact because there is an aspect in her soul of, of safety for self and family and others that, that aren't here. And she, she keeps a, a, a sweet distance, and yet she's the most social person. Do not let a mask control your life. Okay? If you have one, that's awesome. That's fine. I have dear friends I'm with on a regular basis. And, and we socially distance because that's where they're at. It makes no difference. But we get together. We, ha we have community. So don't let a virus destroy relationship. Don't let it happen. Number six, be physically present but mentally absent. What do you mean by that, Chris? When you talk to someone, nod your head saying, uh-huh. <laughs> and then look past them to someone you can use as an excuse to go toward so that you can end the conversation. Oh, you know what? I got to go see. Oh, yeah, okay. God, God bless you. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Is that okay, Victor? Okay, good. Is your hand okay? I'm great. Great, excellent. Okay, uh, number seven, don't share a meal. Oh, for the love of God, this step is of utmost importance. Do not ask anyone to lunch. You're sitting across a table from someone, and you can't play solitaire on your phone while you're doing that. <clears throat> so 
you know, fake a stomach ulcer or, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Just number eight, stay very, very busy. The busier you are, especially on a Sunday, the less time you have to deal with people. In fact, be so busy that when you speak to someone, you're doing it as you're walking past them. Number nine, make your default response. Yeah, oh yeah, everything's great. Everyone's always going to ask you how you're doing. Make sure you have your default answer ready. <clears throat> Do not. Colossal mistake. Colossal mistake is to, is to suddenly highlight that thing that you're struggling with at the moment. Don't do that. Seriously, just keep that under wraps. Don't talk about the pain in your life to anyone. You're, say this after me. I'm fine. I'm doing great. Great. Now you're ready for church. <laughs> Oh, and the best way to avoid building community, I, w I wish Robbie was back here playing their drums. By the way, Robbie, are you back? Are you here? Where's Robbie? What an awesome, I sit over here and listen to you play. What an awesome job on the drums. Oh my gosh. That was the first instrument I picked up in fifth grade was drums. I started playing drums in fifth grade. You, you were just, you're incredible. That's just great. And your hat fell off. He had his head back. And he's playing and worshiping. And his hat fell off. And he didn't skip a beat. Literally, he didn't skip a beat. Yeah. <laughs> so when the song ended, he reached back and put his hat back on. The <laughs> um, <clears throat> best way to avoid building community is absolutely do not show up. There's no community where there's no people. So if you're here and you're just visiting again, should I be here, should I not be here? If you're here and you're watching, let me just say it's time to come back to the Hill and be part of the family here. And so <clears throat> I think one of the greatest ways of, of uh, talking about community is from uh, 1 Samuel 17. So I'm going to turn to 1 Samuel 17 because this is where Goliath's head was chopped off. I think nothing speaks community like the de decapitation of a giant. <laughs> oh. Hey, Nathan. Good to see you, bud. <laughs> He's going, why do I let him speak? Okay. Um, I just went to Second Samuel, and I'm wondering why he's not there, because it's in first. Okay, uh, I'm going to start in verse 34 and go to uh, verse 51. Because don't, don't you love, I mean, you know this story, don't you? Three of you know this story. This story of called David and Goliath. Anybody ever heard that story before? Okay, now, here's the funny thing, is that when you speak, you, you go, I don't want to tell them something they already know. But when I'm listening and, and they go to David and Goliath, I go, oh, I love this story. Read the whole thing. Isn't, isn't it like that? You know the story, but you want to hear it again. Okay, because you want his head chopped off. <laughs> You're sick. Okay, here we go. Verse 34 to 51. All right. <clears throat> David said to Saul, your servant uh, used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it, and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. What? I caught it by its beard, and I struck and killed it. 
Okay. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said, all right, go ahead. Of course Saul did, because he didn't have the guts to do it himself. Go, and the Lord will be with you. Yeah, God be with you as I watch you die. So Saul clothed David with his army, and we all know the story. It didn't fit. It wasn't good. I can't walk with these in verse 39. I've not tested them, so David took them off. He took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. <clears throat> I'm just going to stop there a second. Um, if you have a history, then you have a future. Okay? When people think of David, they don't, they don't think of the lion and the bear. They think of Goliath. Goliath was just the next one because he already had a first and a second one. And so David's faith started long before he ever did what he's doing here. So when Saul goes, and the Lord be with you, David goes, of course. Of course he's going to be with me. Why wouldn't he? They're defiling defiling the, the armies of the Lord. What, what, of course God's going to be with me. That's just a, I appreciate you saying it, but it's, it's kind of silly because we both know he will. <clears throat> um, we know the story here in verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. Because he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. I love the fact that the Bible says... <laughs> That's yeah, a good-looking little kid. <laughs> you know, you just got to read these things into it. It's like ruddy and good-looking. Wow, okay. <clears throat> so the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there's a God in heaven, in Israel. Do you see the difference? God in heaven. Oh, yes. All of you just went right along with it. Oh, yes. God's there. No, God's here. It's the God of Israel. He's the God of us. He's the God of the gathered people of God. He's here in our midst. <clears throat> the difference between here, this is, this is a focus issue. Goliath <clears throat> uh, is, is focused on a little boy and the weakness of a little boy. Saul and the armies are focused on the greatness of Goliath and the largeness of the man. David sees one thing, the God who always comes through. It's a focus issue. And, and you know, <clears throat> David goes down to the brook and he chooses five smooth stones. I've, I've, I love to do research on the things that I already know. I know he chose five. Why five? Why smooth? Well, here's the interesting. <clears throat> the Hebrew word... Uh, for he went down to the stream. The Hebrew word for stream is nashal. The word for nashal. Nashal means to take and possess your inheritance. 
So David went down to the place where he's going to take and possess his inheritance. It's found, but it's not found in a pond of still water. It's found in a stream that moves and flows. So our inheritance, if you come to a place in life where your surroundings are dead and the water's not moving, that's not where your inheritance is. You need to be in a place of a stream, of a flow of God, of a move of God, and your inheritance is waiting there. Go down and take it. Possess it. The Hebrew word for stone, I love this, and I've known this for a long time, but I just kind of put it together. The Hebrew word for stone is eben, E-B-E-N. It's it's actually a contraction of two words, father and son. He went down to the stream and got the father and son. Took this stone, came back. Why stones? Well, because the king's armor didn't fit him. Uh, David always had to stay true to himself, and what worked for you does not necessarily work for me. That is so true in a community of people. If you look over at someone and you see, oh, they're doing what I'd like to do, and, but you don't know their journey to that place. You can't copy it. Just say with, with Matthew 25 talking about the ten virgins, five, five are, <clears throat> are foolish and five are wise, and uh, the the wise ones, you know, when, when the, the trumpet sounds, they're ready because they have the extra oil. The five foolish ones didn't get extra oil. Now, I don't think that, it, that that particular story is about people that are saved and people that are unsaved. I think it's about people who are ready for the move of God when it takes place. And the difference between is one doesn't have an oil, which is a life in God. And I talked about oil the other day a couple of times ago. Oil get two, you get oil two ways. Is one, you crush something, okay, or you dig for it. Oil just doesn't appear. And some of you go, well, yeah, I do. I go to the store and I buy oil. It just appears. <laughs> it's all kinds of different oil. And there's all kinds of crushing and there's all kinds of digging, Okay. And those are the ways that you get oil. Oil is a product. I, you know, people used to come to, I worked in Kansas City for years with a guy named Mike Bickle, and people would go, oh, I love your relationship with the Lord. Would you lay hands on me and pray I get the same relationship? He goes, I will pray that God comes and leads you into the fullness of who you're supposed to be. But you can't have my relationship. I, I dug it, and I was crushed to get it. This is my oil. And so we have to be responsible for our own oil, our own relationship. We can't put it on anybody else. We can't put it on the leadership of the church. You didn't do this, therefore I didn't grow. No. No. <clears throat> By the way, David was a master of the sling and stone. If you're a master at something, just keep doing it. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Why five? People, I heard a sermon one time. David was, uh, had an aspect of unbelief. So he chose five stones instead of one. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, He never heard from God that it would only take one stone. He never heard it would only take a stone. He just knew that he needed certain stones. Plus, he, 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 he knew to be prepared. And who knows if it took more than one stone to kill him. And who knows if another Philistine was going to come out of the ranks at him at the same time. So he was prepared with his death blow, and then he was prepared with his extra oil, so to speak. He was a trained warrior. He was not a reckless fighter. A reckless fighter would go down, they'd grab the sharpest stone. But David didn't grab the sharpest stone. He was the sharpest stone. He grabbed smooth stones. 
Why? Smooth stones do not have edges, and they fly more pure and more true, kind of like people. The more edges you have, sometimes the harder it is meandering through life. <clears throat> You're not flying straight because the edges that you keep carrying, the bitterness of the past season, the, the envy that you have towards somebody else, and you haven't allowed God to smooth your edges. I was, I was an edgy stone when I was younger. I was full of uh, spit and vinegar, so they say. Um, <clears throat> and uh, God has gone after my edges over the years. I don't know if I'm fully smooth yet. I'm, I'm sure people finding edges all the time, but um, <clears throat> uh, I, I pray I get smoother as time goes on so that when God uses me, I fly straight. And by the way, you don't find a smooth stone in a pond. You only find a, a smooth stone in a stream because they've been moved along by the river. Thanks, Caleb. Do you want to come sit right here? No, stay there next to your wife. That's okay. <clears throat> now, I'm going to go over to 2 Samuel chapter 21. What does this have to do with community, Chris? <laughs> I have no idea, but we'll... So we'll <laughs> um, <clears throat> he went with five stones. How many stones did he use? One. How many does he have left? So in, uh, this is the way I put it. Now, David didn't carry around those four stones. These are the stones I did not use because I only used one. I don't know where that stone is. It's probably still ledged, lodged in the head of a giant. He didn't do that, but I, this is kind of, I, I use this as a, an analogy here. He's got four stones left. For Samuel 21, I'm going to look at verse 15 here. And when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servant went, <coughs> servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. There comes a time in life where the David of Goliath is now older. We start in 1 Samuel 17. Now we're in 2 Samuel 21. David's gone through over a book. <laughs> I don't know. It just came to my head. <laughs> Again, I taught junior high for a long time. So it's, there you go. Um, so David, David's lived a full life. And he's not the same David that he was earlier. Anybody over... 30, remember what it was like to be in high school? Remember, you'd wake up and you literally would jump out of bed. Nowadays, how many, like over 40, 50, 60, how many jump out of bed if you're over 60? How many accidentally fall out of bed? Okay, we're different people as time goes on, as things, you know, take, take place around us. And he's, he's, he grew faint. The, the terms there, grew faint, was he became exhausted to the point of not being able to lift and use a sword. So he's, he's not going to do much fighting. And then what comes up here, <clears throat> uh, from here on, and, and I'm not going to go through the names, because Ishbi Benab, God bless him, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ishbi Benab was one of the sons of the giant. Did you know that? David was there to fight against one of the sons of Goliath. Oh, and then uh, it goes down through there in, in verse 18. Um, 
They killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. In verse 19, and they went down and killed the brother of Goliath. And yet there was a war in Gath, and there was a man of great uh, stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes, 24 in number, and he was also born to the giant. Wow. So David's mighty men defeated three sons and a brother. Four. Four stones left. And how were the others defeated? Not by him, but by those in community that had his back. They saw him and said, you need us. David saw them and said, I need you. Two, in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Though they may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. It's amazing. <clears throat> In my life, I can, I can just testify. My, my daughter um, is, I shared a couple weeks ago, uh, she had a, a little accident. Her, her vertebrae went into her spinal cord, um, and she had emergency spinal surgery. It, out of all the times that, that hernias break, um, they, they break um, back out this way there's three to five percent go inward and those are the ones you got to be careful that's what happened with her and it did some damage to the spinal cord itself and uh, she had no feeling couldn't walk at all um, this past week she walked around the inside of her house so yes <laughs> but She's, she's got a, um, she, she's, she worked hard. She's the hardest worker I know. And she, her, her, her husband, my son-in-law, is just finishing up his fourth year of college, and he just got uh, accepted to an amazing school. Whether he goes, he will get accepted, I'm sure, to a number of them. But uh, <clears throat> they, they have to be ready for this. And, and so she's been working and, and helping in, in the family. Well, now she can't. And so... Years ago, um, if you're familiar with Keith Green, Keith's wife, Melody, became our friend back in Kansas City a good 20 years ago. And, and uh, we just, we've just been dear friends for years. Her daughters, Rebecca and Rachel, became best buds with my daughter, Katie. And uh, Katie became Melody's um, personal assistant. And when she moved to Kansas City to California, Katie and Ben literally packed up the truck themselves with one or two helpers, they packed a whole house. And then they drove the truck from Kansas City over the mountains to California, uh, and then unpacked everything for Melody. And Melody's kids were like, I can't believe you did that, so wonderful, it's amazing. And they had this rich relationship. Well, the minute something went ha happened with Katie and she's now um, laid up at home, she can't move, Rachel and Rebecca went online and put a GoFundMe um, which is now up to like $12,000 to help her out. Now, Katie invested without the thought that I'm going to get something in return. She invested in the lives of people around her because that's who she is and that's what she does. If you have Katie for a friend, you have found the best friend you'll ever have. And then when the moment came, suddenly people came out of the woodwork that she had invested in her entire life. 
And they came forward and they said, I, I, I can't believe it. I, and, and I had like, there were three or four people that said, this, is, this takes me down to the bone, but I want you to have $1,000. Now, do you know what that does for someone? It's amazing. That is practical community in life. That is the most practical way they can love. And, and the hero in this whole thing is my wife, Laura. I was talking to her. We, uh, we FaceTime every day, and she said two days ago, I looked at her, and she just looked really tired because she's, she's doing everything, and there's three kids, and one's a two-year-old. And let me tell you, between the two of us, we haven't had a two-year-old in a long time. And so there she is taking care of her house, cooking all the food, cleaning the house, and, and you know, getting groceries, and just you name it, and she's doing it. And I looked at her and I said, are you okay? She goes, yeah, yeah, I'm a little tired, but, but I am here to serve everyone in this house and to love them well. Oh, I cannot wait to see the reward God has for her. It's just amazing. Where we put our seed, uh, it, it, something wonderful will grow. And God knew that. And he said this, he said this to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you. Uh, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. He did not say all the nations of the earth to Abraham. He said all the families. Acts 3.25 says the same thing. And God spoke to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God is more concerned with families than he is nations. That's why when we're in this whole nation, we, we live now in a, in a time of nation state. If you've done history, there's kingdoms and there's thrones and there's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We live in the age of nation states. We don't know anything else but uh, some people on the earth do. They know tyrants and, and, and those kind of things. But we live in nation state time. This is the time of history of the nation state. <clears throat> and so we see our loyalty is often to a nation state and not to a family. I just want to say, don't, don't lose the support of the, of the nation you're in. Don't lose that. But I think God wants us to be more aware of the family that he's put us into. So that Sunday isn't, I go to hear a word and then I leave and go do my thing. But I come to be a part of a family. If you're here and you're new, let me tell you something. This is a beautiful place to come into and feel loved right away. I felt loved right away. I didn't do anything. Nobody knew I spoke. Nobody knew anything. People just went over, introduced themselves. I went out to lunch with different people I didn't know. And that was number, I don't know, seven. Don't do that. You know, if you want to. <laughs> I went out with Keith. Keith and I, we, we didn't know each other at all. We just went to, what was that place? The, yeah, it, it, it was good food. I, it probably wasn't even good food. It didn't matter. Um, <clears throat> how do you create family? I'm, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> um, I, I want to play you a, a very short Hallmark commercial. Are you ready for this? Now, it's grainy, and it's old, and some of you will go, oh, I remember that. Um, <clears throat> so some of you won't because you're not old enough to remember Hallmark commercials. I'm not talking about Hallmark Christmas movies. This is a new thing, okay? <laughs> Back when I was young, we had the Hallmark Hall of Fame would have a special presentation, and all the commercials would be, and now a commercial from Hallmark. A guy would come in. I just, I loved his voice. And so this is one of the Hallmark commercials. I'm, I'm playing this for this reason. What creates family? I just want you to watch this.
I turned 10 that year and started to know a whole lot about everything. Or so I thought. Why do I have to? Because I have a lot to get done today and it'd be a big help to me. Mom, you know what they say about her. Charlie. It was widely believed that Mrs. Andrews, the lady I had to deliver my mom's Christmas card to, was to be feared. And see if there's snow on her walk. To a 10-year-old, the whole thing felt like a death sentence. Come on, Charlie. Can't. Gotta bring this to Mrs. Andrews. You're going over there? Nice knowing you. Hey, can I have your bike? <laughs> Who's your mom? Mrs. Wickman. Well, you better come in. It's freezing out there. sank in, it slowly occurred to me, she wasn't creepy at all. Your mother is one of the kindest people around here. And though she was very different than what I was used to. You must be Charlie. She and my mom spoke the same language. I'd go back there then, every Christmas, and bring my mom's card. There was something about seeing my mom's handwriting there on the mantle that made me feel at home. Christmas had grown a little bit that year, and so had I. Okay. Uh, some might say, well, that's a... That's a little smaltzy, Chris. No, that's life. Kids don't want to go through the barrier of the uncomfortableness of an old lady that they're scared of. I had one in my neighborhood when I was growing up. And my mother, and the reason why I chose this is my mother did almost the exact same thing. She made me take something to her. I found out that she was actually one of the sweetest ladies had gone through uh, a, a horrible life that she shared with a little kid that was about 10 or 11. Um, in the sweetest way. And, and I, I think that's just a visual inviting us past what, what the, the comfort of the world that we live in. Because if you, if you stay within that comfort, you will never be a part of a community. You'll be a, you'll be a service member. I appreciate services. I really do. I've been in thousands. <laughs> I got saved in 1847, so it's been a long time. <laughs> I just love that. Paul said to Timothy, oh, you're my son. David said to Jonathan, you're my brother. They weren't family, but they were. <clears throat> when Jesus uh, is, is <laughs> uh, on the cross, he, he looks at his, 
his, uh, his mom, and then to John, and said, woman, behold your son. He spoke to John, behold your mother. Now, there's two things. We look at one of them. We don't really look at the other one. Jesus knew that his mother was going to need someone to take care of her. And who was the most loving, caring person that he knew? And who showed up? John. But Jesus knew John was tender, and he still needed a mom. It was, an, it was a generational thing. You need him, and she needs you. I just think that's just beautiful. Listen, our families don't look like Leave It to Beaver. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say Leave It to Beaver. How many know Leave It to Beaver? Okay, you've got this mom and dad that are just nearly perfect. And you have two semi-perfect sons, and then you have Eddie Haskell. Okay? <laughs> For those that don't know the show, Eddie Haskell was a friend of the older brother. Eddie Haskell was a pain. <laughs> and we always look at other families like, oh, they're, they're the Cleavers, and, and my kid's Eddie Haskell. No, no. It's, it's <laughs> Actually, if you say that too much, your kid will become Eddie Haskell. Speak life to your kids. God sets the solitary in family. And I just want to end with this, this verse. Uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 2. It's verses 21 and 22. He says this. <clears throat> By the way, David went out to gather stones, but his life was about gathering people. Okay? His life was about gathering people. I want to I um, not just encourage you. I want to challenge you to add people in your life this year. I can only have so many friends. I know that. But you can increase the number of people that you love. And you can increase the potential of God speaking through the hearts of other people to you. It is for your best interest to open the door of your heart and let people in. Don't be the first one out the building. Don't come in late. Don't leave early. I, I want a, a word over the hill. Ready for this one? Linger. May this be a that lingers. Because for this reason, verse 21, chapter 2 of Ephesians, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And this is, okay, what's the purpose for that? In whom you also are being built together, what for? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The knitting of our hearts is so that God can dwell here in more powerful and more unique ways. It's not just so that I can gather people so if something goes wrong, they got my back. That's awesome. That is one purpose, is to, is to have people that you invest in and people that invest in you so that when they need something, you know who they are and you're there. But it's also, if, if we take this to heart and build ourselves together, providence will be a place, a dwelling place of God not just the dwelling place of God, in the spirit, where the spirit of God moves and has his way. Let's just stand together. Just close your eyes a second. Lord David gathered stones, but in reality he gathered family. He created a family, even when he was being pursued by Saul, who tried to kill him. He was able to, to see the importance of gathering those around him.
increasing in love, increasing in purpose. Lord, we have such an incredible opportunity on the hill. There's such a great opportunity. We're a, we're a, we want to become a worshiping tribe that loves and fills this house with the sounds of God, with God moving, with God using uh, each of us to be able to speak and to have words of encouragement for one another. Because that's really what prophecy is. It's to encourage and to build up one another. So Lord, let us prophesy to each other by building each other up each week. Let us see the things that are in each other and let's speak them and call them out. <clears throat> and those that are timid, those that have been hurt, those that have been afraid, Lord, I pray that they would not be led by past hurts. Ah, oh, but it was last week. It's past. Ah, oh, but it still hurts. I know. I know, but God can meet you there. Keep moving forward. Lord, keep let your spirit of grace be upon us that as a people and as people we can keep moving forward and having each other's back so that this place would be a dwelling place of God in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 